0: So inshallah today we begin with the tafsir of uh, of surah al-asr last week we ended with the tafsir of surah al-humazah and we mentioned the last couple of verses in which Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about the punishment of the fire and it's severity and it's uh, the punishment that, that it will contain uh, and how Allah describes that it will box in and, and conceal someone completely within it and they will have no means of escape and that there are pillars within the fire and we said that the scholars of Tafsir differ as to the exact meaning of those pillars whether there are just pillars that are chains meaning people are chained with those pillars or whether they are punished within them, meaning that they are held with inside of those pillars and punished, and uh, one or two of the other uh, the other opinions amongst the scholars of tafsir. So we come into Surah Al Asr, and this is the surah which uh, you know, like I think everyone's familiar with. It's one of the shortest surahs of the Quran, also con- containing or consisting of three verses. And as we've mentioned a number of times before, there are three surahs of the Quran that hold that distinction, if you like, of having the least number of verses in the Qur'an meaning that there are three verses Suratul Al-Asr is one of them and the other two we've already covered Surah Kawthar and Surah Al-Nasr Wa ja'a, Nasrullahi wal-Fatih All three of these surahs have three verses of the Qur'an so they are technically all the shortest surah of the Qur'an even though Suratul al has is less or smaller in terms of the number of words that it contains so this surah is a uh, a surah upon which the scholars over which the scholars of tafsir differed slightly concerning whether it is a makki or madani surah whether it was revealed before the hijrah or after the hijrah of the prophet sallallahu the opinion and the position of the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir past and present is that it is a makki surah that it is a pre-hijri surah a surah which was revealed before the migration of the Prophet Sallallahu from Mecca to Medina. And this is the opinion of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu Anhuma, Ikrimah, Al-Hassan. And it is also reported on Qatada and Muqatil. And Qatada and Muqatil will have another opinion or another narration from them. saying opposite, that the surah is a Madani surah. So Ibn Abbas, Ikrima al hasan Al-Basri, Qatada and Muqatil. And from the famous authors of Tafsir or the scholars of Tafsir, Ibn Kathir, Al Qurtubi, Ibn Atiyah, Ibn Hazm, Al baghawi Many of the scholars of Tafsir, obviously, most of the scholars of Tafsir, when they mention a surah, they will mention the difference of opinion, right, amongst the scholars that some said that it is Makki or Madani. So when I say that this is the position of Ibn Kathir and Al Qurtubi and Ibn Atiyah and Ibn Hazm and Al Bagawi, what I mean is that they, don't, that they mention both opinions, but they say that this is the stronger one. Right? They say that it is a Makki surah. Whereas other scholars, amongst the scholars of Tafsir, will give both opinions, say that some scholars said it is Makki, others said it is Madani, and they don't really support one over the other. They just leave it there. And so, therefore, it's difficult to say that that scholar took one position as opposed to the other position or supported it being Makki or Madani or vice versa. So, therefore, these scholars, amongst others, um, and as I said, the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, held that the surah is a Makki surah. But from the scholars who said that it is a madani surah, that it was revealed post hijra is Qatada, Mujahid, and muqatil It is narrated from all three of them in various books of tafsir, that they held the surah to be a madani surah. And Allah Azzawajal knows best. It is known in the books of tafsir by two names, uh, and both of them are more or less, you know, very, very similar. The first is Al-Asr, which is the name by which we now know it and it's become very well known and that's kind of the name that uh, has survived till our time. And this is the, it is reported that it was named Al-Asr or it was called Al-Asr by Ibn Abbas radiyallahu in one of his narrations, Ata Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Hazam, Al-Baghawi, Ibn Atiyah, Ibn Kathir, Al-Imam Al-Shawkani, Rahimahumullah, that all of them refer to this surah as Surah Al-Asr the other name that it has which is you know very similar is wal asr right which is basically as we've said a number of times the first verse of the surah and that's a very common uh, common thing in the books of tafsir in the books of tafsir that they name the surah or they call the surah by the name of its first verse and that's reported by imam al-bukhari in sahih he refers to it as wal asr uh, Abdullah ibn mubarak rahimahullah ta'ala, the famous scholar from amongst the, the early scholars of islam al-imam al-sayuti al-imam al-tabari rahimahumullah they all kind of refer to the surah as surah wal-asr right? surah wal-asr and ibn Ashur in his tafsir mentions both that the surah is named, known as surah asr and that's the one that it's commonly known by but there are narrations and some of the scholars of tafsir took to calling it surah wal-asr right? and obviously that's the extent of the first verse so Really, the difference between the two names is just in the wow. Someone has taken the wow, so therefore named it after the first verse. And other scholars call it al-Asr, without the wow and therefore giving it its name. Uh, it is mentioned a number of times in the sunnah, or in hadith and in narrations, that the Prophet or amongst the companions of the surah, is mentioned. One of the um, narrations that is mentioned, and there is uh, this narration, Allah knows best whether it's authentic or not, but it's something which is mentioned in, in some of the narrations, in some of the books of, of, of hadith, and some of the books of biography. And that is that Amr ibn al-As, عنه, before he became a Muslim, Amr ibn al-As, during the end of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when Musaylama al-Kadhab, Musaylama the Liar, who was the false prophet, so from the signs of human al-Qiyamah the Prophet ﷺ told us that there will be people who would come and they would claim to be prophets after him, alayhi salatu And he called them the Jaleen, right? False prophets. And he said that there would be around 30 of them. From amongst perhaps the most famous amongst them and perhaps the most famous amongst them is a man by the name of Musaylama. And he is famously known as Musaylama Al-Kadhab, Musaylama the liar. And he appeared towards the end of the life of the Prophet So this is when the Prophet is still alive, and it is even said in some of the um, some of the books of of, of history and, and, and seerah, that he was from amongst the delegations that came towards the end of the life of the Prophet He actually came to Medina with a delegation from his people to come to the Prophet and at that time he hadn't professed prophethood; didn't claim to be a prophet. But he spent some time there with the delegation that he had of his people and then he left and he went back to his people. And once there, he called his people to himself claiming prophethood and many of them would would agree to him and believe in him. Many of them would end up following him and he claimed to receive revelation. And he's the one who wrote the letter to the Prophet saying that I'm a prophet and you're a prophet and so we should split this earth in half. You take half the kingdom, I'll take half the kingdom and we'll share. And the Prophet ﷺ replied back to him, and he said that the kingdom or the earth belongs to Allah. He gives it to whomsoever He wills. Right? He would later on be fought in the time of Abu Bakr an, and he would be killed. He would be killed during that battle uh, that was fought in the time of Abu Bakr ﷺ. So when he first appeared and his kind of like name was getting out there and he was becoming famous, it said that Amr ibn al-As uh, an, But this is before he becomes uh, before he becomes uh, a Muslim. He came uh, across Musaylama and Musaylama asked him, what has your companion revealed to you? Meaning, this man in, in, in Mecca, Medina, what is, what is one of the latest, latest revelations that he has received? So he said that he has received a revelation in which it said, وَالْعَصَرُ sabr Basically, Surah Al-Asr. He reads it to him. He said, so Musaylamah went quiet and he thought for a while. And then he said that I have just been given something similar to it. I have just received revelation with something similar to it. And then he, Amr ibn al-As ibn, asked him, and what is that revelation? And he began to recite, right? Ya yeah, Wabar, Ya yeah, Wabar, innama anta udhunani and he carries on, right? And now, Wabar is a small creature like the hyrax, which is a creature that dwells in the mountains in Arabia and some other parts like a small small fairy mammal and he's basically saying that the, the wabar, the, babar, the hyrax, the hyrax has two ears and a chest right? and he just kind of like, and he digs and so on and he just goes on to it so when he finishes it he says to Amr, what do you think of my revelation and Amr ibn al-As is known amongst the Arabs as Duhat al-Arab from amongst the most intelligent of the Arabs he was considered to be from amongst the most intelligent of the people amongst the Arabs. Right? He was known for his uh, his his, his uh, intelligence. His he was shrewd. He was switch He was someone who was very well known. So, Amr ibn Al said to him, "By Allah, you know that I know that you are a liar." Right? So, you know, like <laughs> I know that you're a liar, but you know that you're a liar as well. So, you're not fooling anyone. Right, because Amr is an intelligent man, and he's someone who understands poetry and eloquence and so on, and this guy is just made up like a nursery rhyme. So this, that's one narration that is mentioned in in, in the books of of Seera, and there is like you know some kalam and some um, you know over whether it's authentic or not. Uh, it is mentioned more explicitly though in an authentic narration that is collected in a Tabarani, uh, and I think something similar to it in the Surah of Abidaud. Yes. Yeah, something like that. He had a few. Yeah, I think like that's He had a few of them, yeah. Um, so this narration by uh, Abu Madinat al-Darimi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, which is collection of Tabarani, and I think there's a similar narration in Sunan son Abi Dawood from the scholars of the Tabi'in. They used to say, كان الرجلان من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا التقيا لم يفترق حتى يقرأ أحدهما على الآخر والعصري إن الإنسان نفي خسر ثُمَّ يُسَلِّمَ أَحَدُهُمَا عَلَى الْآخَرُ Two men from amongst the companions of the Prophet if they would meet one another, they would not depart until one of them would recite upon the other وَالْعَصْرِ if خُسَرٍ this surah, and then they would give salams and then they would depart, right? And you have a similar relation to this in the of abi and, and both of them are authentic. The companions of the Prophet would not depart they wouldn't leave each other's company until one would remind the other. With the surah, they would recite the surah, right? And that's where you kind of get this, um, you know, like practice or this almost sunnah, in which, at the end of a majlis or at the end of a sitting or at the end of a gathering, people recite the surah as a reminder, right? So it's as a reminder because of the meanings that it contains and because of the lessons that it has. And it is a short, eloquent surah, but it has vast meanings. And that's why Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala, it is famously reported that he said, if the people were to contemplate over this surah, it would be sufficient for them. Another wording, that if it was only this surah that they were to take, it would be sufficient for them. Because it kind of uh, encompasses and and encapsulates everything that we need to know about our religion. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this surah by taking an oath. By taking a qasam, by taking an oath. And he says, wal asr, by al asr, by the time. Al asr, uh, wal asr, Allah azza wa Jalla begins by taking an oath. And this is the first time in the Quran, that, because we were going in, in, in uh, reverse, chronological. reverse chronological order, but reverse order in the Quran. It's the first time that we've come across a surah that begins with an oath. Right? That Allah azza wa Jalla begins a surah, he opens a surah with an oath. So I wanted to just go through the issue of oaths in the Quran. When Allah takes an oath in the Quran, the oath in the Quran that Allah Azza takes, whether it's by Himself, when He takes an oath by His own names or by Himself subhanahu wa ta'ala, or he takes an oath by one of His creation. Allah Azza, when He takes an oath, it is done for a number of reasons and for a number of benefits. The first of them is to show importance to the issue that is going to be discussed. When Allah takes an oath, it is then followed up by something. It is followed up by a khabar, by some news, by some information. The oath that is taken by Allah is to emphasize and to show importance to what Allah Azzawajal is going to speak about. So for example, when Allah Azzawajal says in the Quran in Surah Al-Hijr 92, verse 92, فَوَرَبِّكَ لَنَسْأَلَنَّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ And by your Lord, we will question all of them. So the oath that Allah Azza wa takes is by whom? It is by himself. Allah takes an oath by himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. And clearly as you all know, you know, generally speaking in the sharia, we're not allowed to take oaths by other than Allah Azza wa right? For us, for me and you, whoever wants to take an oath, the Prophet said, then let him take it by Allah Azza wa Jalla alone. Right? Anyone that takes an oath by other than Allah has committed a form of shirk. It is a form of shirk. However, Allah Azza wa takes an oath by Himself and He takes an oath by His creation, because there is no one greater than Allah Azza wa Allah takes an oath by Himself, takes an oath by His creation. In this occasion, or on this particular, in this particular verse, He takes an oath by Himself, "Fawarabbik," and by Your Lord, We will question and hold to account all of them. So Allah Azza takes the oath why? To show emphasis, right? To show importance. Because when Allah Azzawajal takes an oath, it shows therefore that there's something coming that is extremely important, worthy of attention. And then when Allah Azzawajal follows up the oath by, is something which therefore we need to pay attention to. It is something which will surely happen, surely take place. فَوَا Rabbik, لَنَسْأَلَ majm'a'in. By your Lord, we will surely indeed question them and ask them. Number two, it is to show the superiority or the honor to that which Allah Azza wa takes an oath by. So when Allah Azza wa takes an oath by something, especially if it's one of his creation, it is to honor that creation and to show its importance. So for example, when Allah Azza takes an oath by the Prophet Sallallahu right, Wasallam, as in Surah Al-Hijr, verse number 72, innahum And by your life, Allah Azza takes an oath by the Prophet Sallallahu they are heedless within their state of, of heedlessness. Right? They are lost in their state of heedlessness, and likewise, when Allah takes an oath by the Quran, it is to show. And the Quran is obviously the speech of Allah Azwj, it's not a creation of Allah, but it is to show the honor of the Quran and the importance of the Quran. So when Allah says, "Wal Quranil Majid," right? Qaf, "Wal Quranil Majid," right? Sad, "Wal Qurani Allah Azawajal takes an oath by the Quran, it is to show the importance of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, it is to bring our attention to the creation of Allah Azawajal that he takes an oath by, when it is Allah's creation that is being used. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by his creation, it is to show importance to it. It is to show that it's something that we should reflect upon and think about and contemplate over and try to understand because those creations of Allah are signs in and of themselves to the Creator. They point back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, when Allah Azza takes an oath by the sun, right? وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا Or by the night, وَاللَّيْلِ Or by the dawn, وَالْفَجْرِ Or when he takes an oath by, you know, the, the heavens, وَالْسَمَاءِ right? وَالطَّارِقِ Or whatever it may be, by the stars, Nijmi إِذَا Hawa. And so on and so forth. It is to show us the importance of those creations of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often when He takes an oath, by His creation, it is something which is amazing in its properties, in the way that it's been created, in benefits that it has for humans and for people and for other creations of Allah. So for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wa teen wa wa wahad al al amin. Why Allah جل, takes an oath by these things, it is to show importance and, and, and like it denotes importance and you know clearly the scholars of Tafsir go into that in more detail. And that's what Imam al rahimahullah ta'ala in his book on the sciences of the Qur'an called Al-Itqan and, and the, the chapter of Al-Aqsam or Al-Qasam oaths in the Qur'an is often mentioned within the books of the sciences of the Qur'an. It is something which the scholars of the sciences of the Qur'an often speak about as a chapter within their books. He says and he quotes from another scholar that he says that Allah when he takes an oath by His creation, it is for one of two reasons: either because of some uh, some benefit that it contains, or to honor it in some way because of the honor that it has. So, for example, an example of some benefit that it contains is what Tini was when Allah swears by the fig and the olive. Right? It's because there is some benefit in it for humans, for people. Oh, it is to show some superiority, some honor to it. So when Allah Azza wa says, وَطُوِّي sinin By the mountain of Sinai. وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ Amin And by the sacred land meaning Mecca." it is to honor those two places. So Allah Azza wa when he takes an oath by his creation, it is either to honor it, or it is to show that there is some benefit from it. Why does Allah Azza wa then use Aqsam? Why does Allah Azza wa take so many oaths in the Qur'an? Why does Allah Azza wa Jal repeat this concept often in the Qur'an? There are surahs that begin by oaths as, as we see now in, in Surah Al Asr and the oath is used by Allah Azza wa Jal throughout surahs as well within the midst of surahs. And Imam as Taala, he says, number one, the first reason is because it was amongst the ways that the Arabs would speak from the ways and manners of eloquence of the Arabs is that they would often use oaths in their speech, in their poetry in their literature and so that's how they would speak and so Allah Azza wa obviously brings the same concept into the Quran but in a far more eloquent way and secondly he says because it is to show Allah Azza wa or it is to, for Allah Azza wa to establish the complete evidence upon his creation and that's because he, uh, the scholar says that if you go to a court, an Islamic court and you either want to make an allegation or refute an allegation. So either you're the person who is putting the allegation forth, or you're the defendant, and you're defending yourself from that allegation. How, there are two ways in which you can support yourself. Right? Generally speaking, in the Sharia, in classical terms, two ways, two forms of proof that are primary. The first is to bring witnesses. Right, Shahada, you bring witnesses, they testify for you. They testify on your behalf. And the second is what? Is to take an oath. Right? So if someone comes and uh, they only have, you know, they don't have the full, they don't have any witnesses, they don't have, the judge will say to the defendant, he doesn't have any witnesses. But the allegation upon you is still there. The only way that you can refute that allegation is by doing what? By taking an oath that you are innocent. So you swear by Allah Azza wa that the man is mistaken, what he said was wrong, and you have an oath. There's no witnesses. If he brings witnesses, obviously, then there's witnesses, right? Three, four, five people, they come and they say, "No, we saw this, this is what happened, and so on. But if there's no witnesses, how do you defend yourself? Just take an oath by Allah saying this man is incorrect, he's wrong, and it's not me, right? And then therefore, the allegation is removed from you. Those are the two primary ways in classical fiqh, in terms of going to a court of, of Islamic law and dealing with this situation, right? Either you're the one putting forward the allegation, or you're Defending yourself from that allegation. So this has said that Allah Azza wa Jal does both in the Quran. Allah Azza wa Jal tells us in the Quran that the prophets and messengers are witnesses. Right? فَكَيْفَ إِذَا مِن كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ و بِكَ عَلَى هؤلاء As Allah Azza wa Jalla says, and ha, on what will be the situation on the day that we will draw from every nation a witness. And we will make you, meaning the Prophet a witness over them. So one of the ways that Allah Azza wa Jal will establish the, you know, the proof that he has, the evidence amongst the people who disbelieved him and so on, how will he establish it on Yom Al-Qiyamah? By bringing witnesses. So the Prophets will be witnesses. And we are witnesses. Right? As Allah Azza wa Jalla tells us in the Quran, And likewise we have made you the middle balanced nation, so that you may be witnesses over mankind, and that your messenger may be a witness over you. Because when the people of Yom Al-Qiyamah, the past nations, come, and their prophets come, and their prophets say, Yes, O Allah, we conveyed the message, and they refused and so on. And then their people will refuse, those people, those nations will dispute this and say, No, these prophets came with no message. They didn't tell us anything. They didn't bring us anything. Allah Azza wa will ask those prophets, And who will testify for you? Who will be your witnesses? They will say, The Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. On what basis are we witnesses for them? Right? None of us like, were alive at the time of Nuh, or Musa, or Isa, or Dawood, or Sulaiman or Ibrahim. How do we become witnesses for something that we weren't present for? Because of the Quran. Because we believed in and we accepted the truthfulness of the message of Allah in the Quran. We bear witness to his truthfulness and the truthfulness of the Prophet So therefore we will be drawn forth as witnesses to bear truthful testimony over what we know from the Qur'an and from the truthfulness of our Prophet wasallam, And the Messenger of Allah will be a witness over us. right? And so the people will go through this. So we have witnesses on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And the second way that Allah then establishes the proof is by making aqsam, by, by taking qasam, right? by making and taking oaths that Allah takes upon Himself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have to take an oath upon himself. But he takes these oaths upon himself because it is the second way in the Sharia that proof is established. Right? And so therefore, as Imam Masuti rahimahullah mentions, these are the two primary reasons why it is done often in the Quran. The Qasam in the Quran, when Allah Azza wa takes an oath, it is uh, known by a number of ways. It has a number of wordings. The first and the most common is Waw Al Qasam the letter wow and it is called waw al-qasam. Why is it called waw al qasim the waw of oath? Because the word waw generally means what? And. Right? Waw generally means and. Right? Whereas waw al-qasam is the wow of oath. And the most common form of oath that we would say is to say, wallahi, right, wallahi, by Allah, right, meaning I take an oath by Allah, right, ahlifu billah. And so it is the waw al-qasim. How do you know therefore in the Quran that it is a waw al-Qasim and not the normal wa which means and because the word afterwards will always have a kasra. Always. Right? So for example, when Allah says, Wasama'i wa what are those? They are oaths that Allah has taken by the heavens. As opposed to when Allah Azza wa Jal says, right? When Allah Azza wa in other verses says, and the heavens we created in such and such a manner. Why? Because right? or or whatever, it will have a different ending. If there is a wow before it, and the word straight after it has a kasra, then it becomes wow al-qasam. Right? That's like the... The general rule and the easy way of kind of like you know, define Arabic or as you know with any kind of eloquent language will have exceptions and all the rest of it. But that's the general rule of thumb. <coughs> Find a wow, Ri. wa ma Right? It's always a kasra. Right? Wad ah. duha now we have a problem, right? But that's because there is still a kasra, but it is a kasra that is hidden. Because the word itself is stuck, right? It's called mebni. It is on that form. It doesn't take the form of a'i'u. It is always a duha, right? It is always, the word doesn't move, right? It doesn't change its construct. So therefore, but actually there is a kasra that's hidden, right? But you know the same thing. But wa idha sajah, right? And so on and so forth. So therefore, Right. And so forth and so on. Okay. Before we spend the whole lesson just going through all these. So you get the point, right? So that's the first way in which it is known in the Quran. The second way, or the second letter of, of, of an oath, is not a waw, but rather a, a. What? Not a ba. Ta by a Ta, right? As Allah says in the Quran, Watallahi, asnamakum, Surah Al-Anbiya, when Ibrahim salam says that he's going to destroy the idols, after his people have left, he says, Watallahi, the Ta, and then he takes an oath by Allah, and what is Allah's name? At the end it has a, Kasra, Tallahi. so that is known as Ta, so you can say, Wallahi, and you can say, Tallahi. The waw in Al-Qasim, after it, you can take a qasam by anything. Obviously, for us it's not allowed except to take an oath by Allah Azza. But Allah Azzawajal can take an oath by anything after the waw. Or we, if we want to, can take an oath by any of Allah's names or Allah's attributes. So you can say, Wa rabbil Ka'bah, right? By the Lord of the Ka'bah, as the Prophet would often say. The other common oath that he would make is would say, by the one in whose hand is my soul, Wallahi nafsi bi Right? Wow. Wallahedhi nefsi biyadi. Right? Or Warabbil right. kaaba by the Lord of the Kaaba. Warabbi Ibrahim. Right. By the Lord of Ibrahim. As the Prophet said to in the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha, I know when you're happy with me and when you're sad with me. She said, How a Messenger of Allah? He said that if you're pleased with me, you say, by the Lord of Muhammad. And if you're upset with me, you say, by the Lord of Ibrahim. Right? So I know, right? if you're happy, you're going to use my name. If not, you're going to use someone else's name. And that is because it is allowed when you take wow, to add on to that anything that is obviously halal. Right? In the form of the Quran, Allah Azza wa takes an oath by many things for us. It must be something which obviously is allowed in terms of tawheed and aqeedah But generally speaking, any of Allah's names, Allah's attributes, you can you can use yeah, the Qur'an because it is the speech of Allah. It's one of the attributes of Allah Azza However, the ta, the taul qasam only comes with Allah, the word Allah. Not Allah's names, not his attributes, nothing. It is only used by, so you don't say tarabbil ka'ba. You don't say talladhi nafsi biyadhi. Right, you don't use any of that. It is always tallahi. Right, the ta always comes with the name Allah. Right, that is the difference between the two. The third one that is also mentioned in the Qur'an, sorry, can we just go to that just in case there's questions? There is. And as there is, yeah, go on, you go first. So, what, what, I mean, if you were to to you, what would be the difference between the word Wallahi and the word I don't think there's any difference in terms of meaning. Is it just then? Yeah, I think it is, it is more or less the same, but the Wallahi is the one that is most common, even amongst the Arabs, to use the waw al Qasam. And the Ta is also used but is less frequent, even in terms of the Quran. Tallahi is, is only used like two or three times, I think. Whereas Wallahi or oh, oh, the Wa al Qasim is used many times in the Quran. I think we answered that. Uh, what is that? What is the ruling of taking an oath on Allah's book? Yeah, we we did that. Got Quran. Uh, sorry. We we join between Allah and the Quran and everything. <laughs> this is. Yeah. Okay. Suggestion: Create a table of content for the that allows a person to reach each letter. Okay, that's that's something else. All right. Transcribing. Um, yeah, that's what the transcribing team to do. Uh, it is an alphabetical order though. So I don't know if any of you guys checked out the biographies that, that are online. It is an alphabetical order. And the way that it's done in alphabetical order also, just to make it clear, is by what that scholar is most famously known by. Not necessarily by their first name. So for example, if I was to say to you, a shafii what's his actual name? Exactly, nobody knows, right? And that's why I didn't write it down because you'd all be looking for, and you, would, you wouldn't find it because you wouldn't know what is. his name is Muhammad ibn Idris, a Shafi'i, right? But no one really knows that. So therefore no one's going to be looking at M. You're going to be looking at S, right? The L isn't counted because L is just, you know, it's, it's always there. So you go to S and you'll find a Shafi'i, right? Al-Imam al shabi right? Ibn Sirin, Ibn Kathir, right? It's Ismail ibn Kathir, but no one knows the Ismail. So if I write Ismail, no one's going to know, right? Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn al-Qayyim, and so on. So it's done by what they are famously known as in the books of tafsir, right? Uh, for example, Qatada, Muqatil, Mujahid, Ata ibn Abbas, right, and, and so on. The ones that are famous, so on, like Abdullah ibn Abbas, everyone knows is Abdullah. So therefore, I kept it to A. But generally speaking, that's how it's done. It is in alphabetical order. It may be slightly difficult if you if you don't know. But the names that we use in our in our like tafsir uh, classes and so on. It's based on that, right? So if you go to for example, um, you know, like Warsh is in there, and I don't know, Al-Qurtubi, right? That's not his actual name. al tabari is Muhammad ibn Jarir At-Tabari, but no one really uses that full name. So therefore, it is the most well-known name or title that that scholar is known by, right? Including Kunyas, right? Abu Ubaidah, right? And others who are known by their Kunya, it is the same thing with them as well. Abu Hurairah and so on. Uh, how do you, I don't even know how to do that, that's too technical for me. <laughs> so if someone wants to add that or knows how to do that, where you can just click on, on like the letter of the alphabet and it'll, it'll scroll straight up, because I know it's like a long document, it's like 30, 40, 50 pages. If someone can do that, that, that's good. Otherwise, no, I have no idea. Yeah? So where is the document on the portal? So the document on the portal is in the in, under study is material. Yeah, uh, the study material, the yeah. So yeah, I think she said make a separate page and you click on the letter Z and you go all the way straight to the letter Z. Yeah, uh, can you do that though on this? You can, I, you'd have to go back to a word and then do it on a word. And, and do it and then, and then put it back shall the I leave screen. that with you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Oasis has uh, very kindly volunteered. Uh, he didn't really volunteer for anyway. Inshallah, like But it has, to be on, it has to be done on a word and then you transfer I'll give you the word document, <laughs> if that makes you happier. Um, okay, yeah. Um, if was the way of the speaking, would they use only Allah's names or would they just no, they use do 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 no, do. the names? No the obviously the Arabs before the Prophet. Yeah, yeah. yeah Quraish would use, you know, Wallaat, Wal uzza Wal Wall Hubal and you know like they would all they would use the <laughs> names the of their gods and their oh, the narrations of the Prophet and um, he where he told somebody uh, not to do something other like than the other. Yeah, it's yes, many narrations. Many hadith. the Prophet Sallam said, Whoever makes an oath by than Allah is shirk Whoever wants to take an oath then let him take it by Allah. And other, right? And people used to come and take oaths by their fathers and, their, and so on, their, their ancestors, and he would forbid them from doing so. Yeah. And that's why it's generally mentioned as one of the points of Aqeedah in the books of Aqeedah. You know, like that you, when you, we take oaths, we take it by, by Allah's name and Allah's name <coughs> alone. Not necessarily, no. Uh, so some of the scholars like I've said uh, that Allah Azza wa Jalla takes an oath. It's either by himself or it's by uh, one of his creation or it's to show um, something to do with Qiyamah, right? Something to do with the reward of punishment and so on. But I don't know if that's comprehensive. I don't know if that's exclusive. Only that or if there's other things as well. I don't know if there's a difference in terms of like eloquence if the ta' is meant to be more emphatic or less. But the one that Allah Azza wa often uses himself is the waw. So I don't think that it, that it is an issue of or a case of both are used but the ta' is, is not used. Even today in like normal speech, if you, are, you know Arabs and so on, they often say wallahi. Very often in, the, in, the, in their like just day-to-day speech, you will rarely hear them say tallahi. Unless someone's more eloquent and someone's more like, you know, read up and so on and so on then then they might like drop in the tab but it's not it's not normally used right it's not like a common usage in terms of 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 Qasim. but there's a question here also online um how are the number two and three different regarding oaths um i don't I, I think maybe she means like the, the, in the Quran. I think sorry yeah, the three reasons, right? There's not really a big difference between two and three. They're kind of like the same. Um, they, they, they are like very similar. There is an overlap between them. Um, but however, when we speak about oaths, just to make it clear here, we have to differentiate between the oaths in the Quran that Allah Azza is taking and the oaths that Allah Azza mentions in the Quran as an act of worship that we take. So when I say, for example, I take an oath by Allah that I will fast tomorrow, right? Or... You know, if Allah Azza gives me something, I take an oath that I will do something else. Right? What is called Nadar and Yameen. Right? As Allah Azza mentions in verses of the Quran, in Surah baqarah and elsewhere, right? and so on. That's a different thing. Right? That's what we do in terms of worship to Allah. The oaths that we take and that we place upon ourselves. That's a different type of oath, and that is not the oath that we're talking about here. So when we're speaking about oaths here, we're speaking about it in terms of Allah taking oaths in the Quran. Not the concept of oaths as an act of worship, which is, uh, you know, a valid act of worship, has its place in the sharia, has its rulings, and inshallah, you know, whenever we come across those verses, we can go into them in more detail, right? Because those oaths also fall into different categories, and there are different rulings concerning them. This oath is speaking about a very specific type of oath, and that is the oath that Allah Azza wa Jal takes. In the Quran, right? The oaths of Allah takes in the Quran. Yeah, yeah. Give me a chance. <laughs> so, we said that the wordings of Qasim, therefore, number one is the Wawal Qasim. Number two is the Ta'ul Qasim. And number three is? Uqsim, right? Which is mentioned twice in the Quran, in Surah Qiyamah and in Surah Balad. لَا أُقْسِمُ بِيَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالنَّفْسِ اللَّوَّامَةِ And Allah Azza takes an oath in the Quran. And there is a difference of opinion as to what the Lam does. The Lam Alif, the La. It is an oath Allah Azza takes. The La, what is his position in terms of this oath? What does it mean? And so on. That's a discussion, inshallah, that we leave until we get to Surah Balad. and go into that in more detail. And the differences of reading it and Qiraat because it also has an impact and a bearing in terms of, of meaning as well. That's the third one. The fourth type of qasim that is taken in the Quran is where the word of the qasim is removed. So you don't find the Waw, you don't find the Ta, you don't find the word qasim La Uqsimu. It is removed, but it is understood. And I gave an example of this already in Surah Al-Hijr, where Allah Azzawajal says, La Amruka, by your life. By whose life? the prophet ﷺ, Allah takes an oath by his life la <laughs> right? there's no well, there's no ta, there's no word of qasam but it is understood, right? that Allah azza is taking qasam in the meaning it is understood, and the Arabs have this thing where they make many things mahdoof, right? they just delete stuff and it's understood in you have the same thing in every language, if you're in the midst of a conversation you don't have to like you know say everything what's your name ahsan right i don't say my name is ahsan. it's understood that's what i'm referring to right i don't it's not someone else it, It's my name because that's the context of the conversation in arabic it is very common to do this very common because it is part of the eloquence of arabic repetition for no reason in the arabic language and drawing out sentences and structure and so on for no reason is considered to be not very eloquent right considered to be not very good and not very Uh, in in terms of the poetry that Arabs had and so on, they didn't like it. And even in terms of the way they speak, and they often try to make things concise and and quicker to read and quicker to say, and they shorten things down. Why? They shorten things down more and more and more, because it just becomes easier than to say and to read and to write and so on. So this is an example of that. So those are the four ways in which Qasem is mentioned in the Quran. The Ba is, but the Ba is not mentioned in the Qur'an. <laughs> la Fala Warabbika, there's no Ba. Fala Warabbika, yeah. So for example saying, Billahi, that's like something which is used in Arabic speech, but it's not mentioned in the Qur'an, it's not found in the Qur'an. So we're like constricting ourselves to the qasim that is found in the Qur'an. Um, Allah takes an oath by many things in the Qur'an, by many things. Generally speaking, they can be categorized into two. The first is Allah taking an oath by himself or by one of his attributes. For example, when Allah Azza wa says, Surah Nisa 65, فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فيما شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ And know by your Lord they will never believe. Until they make you their judge in their affairs, right? So that is an oath that Allah Azza takes by Himself, Subhanahu wa Taala, and similar to it is when Allah Azza takes an oath by the Quran, Wal Qurani al Majid, Wal Qurani al Hakim, Wal Qurani al Dhikr, and so on and so forth in the Quran. The second category, and therefore the majority, because those are only a handful in the Quran, the majority is Allah Azza taking oaths by His creation, right? His creation can be the stars, Wan Najmi Hawa, the Day of Judgment, La the sun, the moon, Mecca, uh, the angels or Safat, the moon, as we said, and so on. One of the most common, and therefore the one that kinda like uh, kind of concerns us most as well, in, 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 in especially in the context of the surah that we're making tafsir of, is Allah Azza wa taking an oath by different parts of time by different portions of the day and night, by different concepts of time. And that is one of the most common creations of Allah Azza that he takes an oath by. So for example, we have uh, وضحاها, right? تلاها, The sun and the moon because of what they do with time and what they denote in terms of time. Allah Azza takes an oath by them in multiple places in the Quran. وَالنَّهَارِ <laughs> nahari Allah Azawajah takes an oath by nahar, which means daylight, right? Daytime. Allah Azawajah takes an oath by specific times of the day, walfajr, which is the dawn. Wal Asr, as we will come to the difference of opinion amongst the scholars as to what Wal Asr means. The most common uh, you know translation that is given is time, the general concept. But amongst the scholars they've tafsir, some of them restricted it more so. So some of them said Al Asr actually refers to that time of day that is Al Asr, where we pray the Asr prayer, right, which is towards the evening, right, towards the end of the day, the late afternoon. So therefore it is a specific time concept and not just a general concept of time. Allah Azza takes an oath by the morning. Allah takes an oath by duha, which is the time when the sun has risen into the sky after sunrise. Wad duha, right? Wa duha. Allah Azza takes an oath by the night in many places. wasaq, uh, right. The night is also mentioned many times in the Qur'an. So these are like the different uh, things that Allah Azza takes an oath by in his book subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Qasim, the oath, Allah Azza begins 17 surahs of the Qur'an with an oath. Allah opens 17 surahs of the Quran with an oath. All of the 17 are Makki surahs. Right? And uh, some of them there's a difference of opinion obviously. But generally speaking they are considered to be Mecchi surahs. Surah Safat is the first of them if you're going from the beginning of the Quran. Surah Safat Allah Azza wa says, Safa." Right. Number two, Surah Dhariyat. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, Number three, Suratul Tur. Allah Azza says, Wat tur. Suratul Najam is number four. One Najmi Ida Hava. Suratul Qiyamah is number five. La uksimu biyomil Qiyamah. Suratul Mursalat is number six. Six. Wal Mursalati Urfa. Number seven is Suratul naziat one Naziat Gharqa. Number eight is surah buruj. Wasamaii thatil buruj. Number nine is surah al-tarik. Wasamaii wa-tarik. Number ten is surah al-fajr. Wal-fajr. Number eleven is surah al-balad. La uqsimu bihahal balad. Number twelve. Surah al Was shemsi wa uh, Number 13, surah al-layl, wal-layli idha yaghshah. Number 14, surah al-duha, wal-duha wal-layli idha Saja. Number 15, surah al-teen, wal-teeni wal Number 16, surah al-adiyyat, wal wal-'adiyati dhabha. And finally, last but not least is the surah that we're doing, wal-asr. Surah wal-asr. 17 times in the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jal begins by taking an oath. And as we've said, generally, as a general principle and rule in the Quran, that if Allah Azza wa Jal repeats a concept in the Quran over and over, it is to denote importance. And the fact that Qasim is something which is mentioned over and over again in the Quran, shows that it is something which is worthy of, you know, like concentration, paying attention to it, further study, uh, analysis, contemplation and so on. And that's why uh, authors like scholars have written books just on this topic. The oaths that Allah Azza has taken in the Quran, perhaps the most famous of them, is a book by Aliam imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, called at Tibyan, At-Tibiyan, I think, Fi aqsam Al-Quran. at Tibyan, his book, which he is a full volume, which basically just deals with the oaths that Allah Azza takes in the Quran and he goes through many of those examples uh in the quran um especially the ones that are at the beginning of the surahs and he speaks about why allah Azzawajal took an oath and what is the significance of that thing that allah Azzawajal has taken oath by and, and so on and the meaning that it brings and so on so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by 17 surahs in the quran and allah Azzawajal here begins with um with the concept of time but also something which is very common in the quran is the different times that Allah Azza mentions in the Qur'an, not necessarily as oaths, but just more widely, more generally as a concept. Time is something which is repeated in the Qur'an. So yes, we have Allah Azza taking an oath by certain times of the day and night, but more generally, more widely, the concept of time is something which is repeated throughout the Qur'an in various contexts, right? And different portions of the time are chosen and specified by Allah Azza so for example, Allah Azza wa mentions over ten times in the Quran, Al-Ashi, or Isha. Right? As Allah Azza wa says in Surah Yusuf, when the brothers of Yusuf take Yusuf alayhi salam out as a child and they lose him, right? They throw him down the wall and they come back crying to their father. Allah Azza wa says, they came to him at the time of Isha or Al Ashi. Right? What is Isha and Ashi? Night time or late evening or just before Maghrib or after Maghrib and so on, right? Obviously, like the, the, the translation or the tafsir, rather, will depend on the context and there will be differences of opinion. But asha or ashi is something which is mentioned over 10 times in the Quran. Also mentioned over 10 times in the Quran is a subh which is the morning. Right? As Allah Azzawajal mentions in the Quran in Surah Al-Hijr, فَأَقَذَتْهُ الصَّيْحَةُ مُصْبِحِينَ when Allah speaks about the punishment that came to take one of those nations of the past, He says that He came to them musbiheen in the time of the morning. Right, He came and He took them in the morning. Another concept in the Quran that is mentioned uh, just under ten times, maybe eight or nine times in the Quran, is a Sa'a, right? A Sa'a, which is generally translated as being the hour, right? Or Sa'a, not as the hour, which is Yum al qiyamah but just the concept of Sa'a. As Allah says in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Araf, verse 34, for every nation there is an appointed time. So when their appointed time comes to them, لا يستأخرون ساعة ولا يستقدمون. It will not be delayed by a sa'a, by a moment, nor will it be brought forward by a moment. And the word sa'a, even though today in, in you know like in, in common Arabic, it means hour. In classical Arabic, because they didn't have the concept of 24 hours and time and clocks and so on, the word Sa'a, as, when it's not referring to Yom Al-Qiyamah, because you have As-Sa'a, which is the hour, that's Yom Al-Qiyamah, but the concept of Sa'a by itself means a portion of time. Right? A portion of time. So when Allah says that the appointed time will come, it's not delayed nor brought forward by As-Sa'a, mean, it means a moment. Any portion of time. So a sa'a, depending on the context, can be any portion of time, right? any amount of time, not necessarily 60 minutes as we understand it. And that's in classical Arabic. Also, ad um, dahar and al asr are mentioned. Al-Dahar, right? al is mentioned in the surah, and we'll go into exactly what it means. Al-Dahar is widely muqa- another concept that is referred to as time. As Allah Azza wa says in the first verse of Surah Al-Insan, ataa al-insani min Lam did not come upon man a time when they were nothing worthy of being mentioned right a time right a time that came upon them another one that is mentioned or another time or period of the day or the night that is mentioned in the Quran is al-masa the evening Allah says in the Quran in Surah al-Rum فَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ حِينَ تُمْسُونَ وَحِينَ تُصْبِحُونَ so glorify Allah in the evening and in the morning. So it's mentioned, Surah Al-Fajr is mentioned multiple times in the Qur'an. And we know what Fajr is, it's the dawn. Ghasaq is mentioned, right, as we covered in Surah Falaq. Wa sharri ghasiqin idha waqab. What did we say ghasaq was, or ghasiq was? Which period of the day or night? Come on guys. sharri From the evil of what? Yeah, the deep night, right? The midst of the night. And that is called Al-Ghasaq, right? Al-Ghasaq, Ghasaq al-Layl, right? As Allah says in Surah Al-Isra. Um, Al-Asr, we obviously know. al duha right? Which is the time once the sun has risen uh, after sunrise, like, like like half an hour when the sun is high up in the sky. That is called the time of al duha Al-Sahar is mentioned, right? Allah Azza wa says in Surah Dhariyat, verse 18, وَبِالْأَسْحَارِ هُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ What is Sahar? Which time? Before Fajr. Before Fajr right When you have Suhoor. That's what Suhoor comes from. Right? Sahar, right That time before Fajr, before the dawn. <coughs> Al-Bukur. What is Bukur? When well, Allah just says, for example, and this is mentioned like nine times in the Quran, in Surah Maryam, verse 11. فَخَارَجْ عَلَى قُومِهِ مِنَ الْمِحْرَابِ فَأَوْحَى إِلَيْهِمْ أَنْ wa بُكْرَةً وَعَشِيًّا Ashi right. The late evening. Bukhra is the early morning. Bukhra is the early morning. Right? And that's what the Prophet said. My Ummah has been blessed in the early part of the morning. Right? Hadith to wake up early and go and seek Allah's provision. So this is these are like the different um, times and there are others as well that I haven't mentioned. But the point is therefore to show what? The fact that Allah Azza takes an oath by so many times of the day and night, and that more widely more generally in the Quran, the concept of time is one that is repeated over and over again. All goes to show us what? To show us exactly what the theme of this surah will be. Surah Al-Asr, which is what? That we take time for granted. And that we lose ourselves in this time unless and until we use that time beneficially. As the Prophet said in the famous hadith, Ni'matani wal two blessings most people are negligent concerning, good health and free time. And there are many narrations from amongst the Salaf concerning the same thing. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud used to say, I have never been more remorseful, had more regret over something, than my regret over a day that ends, and that my lifespan has decreased within it, but I have not increased in my action. Every day that passes by, I come closer to my grave, if I haven't increased in good deeds, I regret that day more than anything. Mu'adhi ibn Jabal, عنه, said that the people of Jannah will have no regrets except that they will regret those times that they didn't spend remembering Allah. They will have no regrets from the dunya except the times that they missed in which they could have remembered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the companion Abu Darda, radiyallahu said O child of Adam, you are only made up of days. So every time a day goes, part of you goes with it. Right? You are days, every time a day passes, a part of you passes by with it. And al-Imam al-Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah, ta'ala said, I met a group of people, meaning the companions, who are more eager and more uh, more jealous of, and guarding of their, of their time as you are of your money. I mean, the way that you hoard money and you gather money and you look after money, that's what they used to be like in terms of time. And how much they would look after the time that they had. And the famous scholar of the Tabi'een, Amir ibn Qays, it said that a man went past him and he said to him, oh Imam, come, I want to speak to you. And the Imam replied to me, I just want a conversation, I want to chat, I want to chill out with you. And he said to him in reply, can you stop the sun from moving? Meaning, can you stop time? Meaning, if you, if you can stop time, then I'll give you that time. Otherwise, it's a waste of my time and I don't have the time for it. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, ta'ala, the famous scholar and Khalifa said, the day and the night, work upon you so you should work upon them. Meaning that days and nights as they pass, bring you closer to your grave, you should use that time as well. And Imam al-Shafi'i said that I spent time with the Sufiyah, right? The Sufiyah. He said, but I only benefit from them two things, two statements. The first is that they used to say, al-waqtu sayfun, time is like a sword. Either you use it to cut someone or it will cut you instead. And the second statement that they would have is that if you don't use your time beneficially, then you will use it in evil. And the Rabbi Ibn Sulaiman said that Imam al-Shafi'i used to preserve his time. He would divide his night into three. The first third of the night, he would study and read. The second third of the night, he would pray. And the last third of the night, he would, um, he would spend resting and sleeping. And one of the most, and we'll finish with this, um, but one of the, like, most... That's what it says, man. I'm just telling you what it says. Don't don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reading to you. Okay. Maybe it just means, like, a third for this, a third. Maybe it doesn't necessarily mean the last third. A third for this, a third for this, and a third for that. All right. Uh, but one of the most interesting like contemporary um, examples that I have for this which, which amazed me when I came across it is a story of, of Shaykh al-Bani Shaykh al-Bani used to have his, his, his uh, library as you know like he was a, a research in hadith and so on, he used to have a library. So one day he called uh, a carpenter to his house or to his library and he said to him that I want you to change, switch the door round, right? it opens this way. I want you to open it the other way, right? If it opens to the right, I want you to open it to the left. And he was like, why? I'm like, like, well, no, what's the big deal? So he said to him, can you do it or not? He said, yeah, it's easy. Like, it's not hard to do, but why do you want it done? He said, because when I open it the way that it's opening, I have to go around it to get into the library, right? Opens like, so that I have to go around, opens up, have to go around it and then get into the library. And that's like six, seven, eight steps more. Now, I do that five times a day because I go to the masjid and I do that more because I go home to my family and I do it because sometimes I have to go and see guests and sometimes I have lectures and sometimes I have duros. So throughout the day, I think I spend 20 to 30 minutes, 15, 20, 30 minutes extra because of this, right? Every time it builds up, that's 20 minutes. In a day, it's not so bad, but in a week, it's like over an hour. And in a month, it's a number of hours. And in a year, it's so many hours. And now it's been so many years and I've lost that time, so I don't wish to lose any more time. So I want you to switch the door so I can save those like 10-15 minutes a day. Right? And so, you know, the guy came and he switched the door around for him. And that shows you how the scholars and a number of my own teachers used to say that their parents, uh, you know, like our Shaykh Shaykh Shaqeetih he used to say that his father, whose name is also Muhammad Mukhtar he used to, even when he was invited to people's houses, for meals or for invitations or sometimes a wedding, he would always take a book with him. He would always take his book with him and he would always sit there and read. Not because he was being antisocial, but because he knows that most people at those functions they waste their time. So if someone came and wanted to speak to him, he would speak to them. But then if they found if he found that the conversation was just a waste of time or, you know, people were just coming, they don't have anything good, he'd just open his book and he'd carry on. That's how eager they used to be in terms of preserving their time and using that time wisely, right? And, and there are many other examples of this, but there is a concept that Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in the Quran, and so the scholars took that and the companions as something which is serious and something therefore which should be used wisely, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Any, um, any companions? Ugh. Questions. Any questions? Sorry, when, I, I, I use, when I'm reading this, is like... Any, any questions? Okay, if not inshaAllah, then, then we'll yeah, leave I it to... Yeah, are there any du'as related to making the most, or having barak in one's time? Um, yeah, you can go to uh, the fortress of the Muslim. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's any specific du'a. I can't think of anything in terms of timing. I mean, there's a general dua that you can make that Allah Azza which will make, yeah, give me baraka in my time and give me barakah in my family and so on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's like, more, more, I don't know any specific dua at the moment, but that's something which, uh, which I'm sure someone can research and, and, and feedback to us. No, no, no. no that story like, Shaykh Bibaaz and may Labani, uh, Sheikh Bani said that he used to go fast like he used to I don't know if he was speeding I don't want to say the Sheikh used to speed <laughs> but is like said that he used to drive fast and so um, and so uh, someone told Sheikh Min Baz and Sheikh Min Baz Allah was blind as you know so he didn't drive so he said that's not something which he should do and so when Sheikh Bani someone came and told him well, that's what Sheikh Min Baz said he said yeah he doesn't drive You wouldn't know right he, that's someone who doesn't drive that's some, someone who doesn't drive would say that and Sheikh Bin Baz had that, he said, no, that's someone who's never been in trouble with the law. Right? That's someone who says that. Uh, but anyway, um, so inshallah, we'll, we'll stop there, bithni ta'ala, wa sallallahu ala muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'i. No, don't speed, as I finished. Right. Don't speed within the limits Don't speed. speeding, that's